Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. In-depth conversations, matchup breakdown, analysts on every game, everything a Steelers fan could want. This is Fourth Down in the Steel City with your hosts, Adam Crawley and Colin Dudlap. Episode 2, Fourth Down in the Steel City. I'm Adam Crowley. He's Colin Dunlap. We hang out every morning on the Fan Morning Show. We hang out with you every Monday and Friday on Fourth Down in the Steel City. First podcast, Colin. I think won some awards, uh, critically acclaimed. People were pretty fired up about it. Yeah, really crazy stuff. Uh, I've been fan mail, autographs, all the, all the such. So I think that it works. Uh, it's uh, onward and upward from here, which is going to be tough considering how great the first one was. On a scale of one to full-blown erection, how fired up are you for Steelers training camp? Because I'm not going to lie. Usually I'm like, son of a gun, it's the end of summer. This year, Kenny Pickett, Mitch Trubisky, quarterback battle. I'm not full Chubb, but I'm I'm almost there. I'm like Nick Chubb. Yeah, I'm there. You know why? Because we haven't seen this in so very long. You know, it hasn't been something to where we've seen a quarterback battle. We knew who the quarterback was going to be all the time walking in the door. And it was Ben Roethlisberger. And I was thinking about this, too. You know, as I'm, we're getting ready for this podcast, uh, you know, I'm 46 years old. What are you, 10 years younger, 12 years 31. younger than me? Yeah, you're, you're 15 years younger than me. Even you, in, a, in large part, haven't known a quarterback battle all that much. But there are kids in high school. There are kids around that age. There are college kids who I think, you know, their whole life they've only known Ben Roethlisberger. This, no matter what your age range is, no matter what you, uh, you know, how you're into this, this excites you because it falls in different sort of a different timeline for you. Like, I remember when Ben wasn't the quarterback, but then I'm thinking, like, imagine if you're if you're 17 year old kid, this is the first time Ben won't be the quarterback. That's wild as hell to me. And for Ben Roethlisberger's former coach, Mike Tomlin, it's the first time that he will go through anything like this. You brought it up on the Fan Morning Show. I thought it was a really interesting point. I'm a big Mike Tomlin believer. I think he's a hell of a coach. I wouldn't run him out of town. Some people in Pittsburgh disagree. Whatever, fine. He's never gone through this. I have faith that he has a plan. I don't know that I necessarily have faith that the plan is going to be the right one. What say you? I have faith that Mike Tomlin has a plan. I just wonder if he's like my 11-year-old twins and if that plan needs to redirect or if the first plan of action doesn't work, 
what his backup plan is or if it doesn't go as planned because he's never been through a quarterback situation to start a season, then what happens? That, to me, is the story. That's the issue. Let's say the top two guys, i.e. Ben Ben Roethlisberger, i.e. Kenny Pickett and Mitch Trubisky in some order, aren't good. Is he really willing to go with Mason Rudolph? You know, that's not in the plans. How does he redirect? How does he detour? Um, His plan, I'm sure, is great. And his plan is probably go with Trubisky and ride him out until, well, he's not good or until Kenny Pickett takes him over or just ride Trubisky out. But what if that plan doesn't work? And what if the second plan doesn't work? You know, that's where I wonder. I bet his plan is to hope like hell his initial plan works. Mike Tallman is the guy who always says he doesn't live in his fears. But sometimes he does. Like fourth down against Cleveland in the playoffs whenever you punt like a baby back, you know what. I don't have a feel for what he's going to do here, Colin, when the season starts. If it's Mitch Trubisky and he has a couple of bad games, I don't know if he's going to have a quick hook. I don't know if he's going to hang in there for the long haul. I really don't. If it's Kenny Pickett, I would assume that because he's your rookie first-round pick, you would hang out with him, even if he did suck in the early going, if he won the job. But I'm not so sure about that either. Mike Tomlin is obsessed with winning the game that he's coaching. And I think that that can sometimes hurt Forrest through the trees. However, this is different because it's it's the quarterback and it's the franchise that you could be jagging around uh, for every single week. So I really don't have a feel for the way he's going to handle this. I don't think there's any way in hell Kenny Pickett starts week one. I just, I don't. Uh, and I, I don't. I think Mitch Trubisky was brought here to start. I think he's going to be the starter. I think he may be allowed to play his way out of being the starter. I think he may be able to play his way into being the long-term starter, meaning for a couple of years. But I don't think Kenny – I just feel like we would know even before camp yeah. if Kenny Pickett was going to be – the plans were going to be for Kenny Pickett to be the number one guy. Just feel that way. The best thing that could happen for the Steelers this year is if Mitch Trubisky starts every game, throws like 34 touchdowns and 12 interceptions, the Steelers go 11-6, and six, make the playoffs, win a playoff game, and then for us, selfishly, we have the entire next offseason to talk about Trubisky v. Pickett, but for the Steelers, that's not bad because now you've got two options at quarterback. Maybe one of them becomes a tradable commodity. Am I right in saying that? Maybe, but you know how I look at that? If that happens and Kenny Pickett doesn't uh, – Kenny Pickett is a spectator for the full season. I'm left to wonder what they could have done with that first-round pick if it could have got them over the top somewhere else. If they could have drafted a lineman, if they could have drafted a cornerback, if they could have drafted, you know, another uh, – a defensive lineman. Like, like, if Kenny Pickett just sits there all year and they have relative success – and they go to the playoffs or something, but they don't have great success. A guy like me is going to wonder, well, what the hell's the other quarterback they used the first-round pick on just standing there for? Could they have used someone else there? Could they have used a cornerback that would have helped them right away? I, I don't know. I don't know. It is a typical situation that other franchises and other fan bases have had to talk about all the time, like every two, three years. Part of it is that it's foreign to us because we don't know this for 18 years. The other part of it is, it's kind of tricky. It really is. I was challenged by Andrew Filipponi oh, from the Jesus. PM team on 93.7 The Fan. He called me a boob. 
said he doesn't Fair. like me. He said that the bloom is off the Crowley Rose. And, hey, those things all might be true. Maybe I'm a boob. Maybe I'm unlikable. And maybe the bloom is coming off my rose. And the reason he said it was because I've worn a Mitch Trubisky player tee. I was on earlier the Mitch Trubisky train, choo-choo. And when Kenny Pickett was drafted, even though I was a Malik Willis guy before, I did say, well, you know what? No one else in the league seemed to like Malik Willis. The Steelers have had a better look at Kenny Pickett than anybody else did. I can understand why they did this. It made sense to me. But you know what? I'm done. I'm back on the Trubisky train. Because the reality here is this guy has led a team to the playoffs two times. Kenny Pickett's played college football games. I think Mitch Trubisky with the right defense can take you back to the playoffs again. And I think if he starts the year as the starter, which we both agree that he will, I think he can lead them to the playoffs again. And maybe he can even win a playoff game. Because guess what? He's probably not going to be worse in the playoffs than number seven was for the last 10 years. Boob. I've never been off the Trubisky train. Like, there's no arguing with me about this. I, I just think that sometimes we get lost in the weeds and miss what's right in front of you. The guy wouldn't have been brought here, albeit the contract isn't worth a ton. He wouldn't have been brought here in his pedigree and who he was. And the other part of it, he wouldn't have chosen to come here if he wasn't looking at it like he was going to have the inside track at significant playing time, or at the very least, the first crack at significant playing time in the first opportunity. And I'm on the Trubisky train. I think he's going to be pretty good. And I said that in the last podcast. So. Uh, to sum up all of this, yes, I'm very excited for training camp. Do you think they should always have it at St. Vincent? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm big on it. I, I'm not for the reasons that the coaches love it because they get to keep all their dudes in the dorm or the hotel right, right. they're doing it this year and you get to keep a watchful eye. But I believe some traditions are just better than the alternative. And I think, let's say Cincinnati, let's say Cleveland, Berea. It's a sterile environment. It's it's practice. This is fun, family-oriented. The Steelers want to be looked at as family-oriented. Yeah, I dig it. I like it, too. And I think as long as there's somebody with a surname Rooney in charge, it'll be there. It'll be at St. Vincent. But, yeah, I do like it. Although, I wonder if you really asked the players what they would say. <laughs> like, if you really got the truth from them. If they feel like they're back at seventh grade camp. I think it wasn't there last year because they didn't want it to be there last year. Yeah, because it's not easy on them. I mean, you're away from your families for a month. More importantly, maybe to some of them, you're away from some of your other things for a month. Yeah. And Latrobe, for all its charm, is also, well, Latrobe. Yeah, it's in the middle of nowhere. I don't think I've ever told this story, and I got to tell it. You remember when Antonio Brown flew that helicopter to Latrobe? Well, he didn't fly it. He rode in it. So Antonio Brown had this arranged where he wanted to take a helicopter and he ended up making a grand entrance to Latrobe in this helicopter. And this was the height of non-self-aware Antonio Brown, who I've said before, the only person less self-aware is probably Paris Hilton and 35 <laughs> Kardashians. So anyway, he, he charters this helicopter, gets in touch with this helicopter person. And this was told to me by the people supplying security for this situation. So he says, meet me at, Pine Richland, it was either the middle school or the high school. And it's this time of year, so there's not a lot going on. Like, school's not in session. So he talks to the athletic director. He goes, 
I'm going to, I'm going to land a helicopter. Is that okay? And they're like, yeah, whatever. Okay, fine. Just make sure nobody's around. So the helicopter lands and the police are there. So one of the person, people there to do security tells me they don't know like what Antonio Brown's doing. They think these people are just to see him off. The pilot lands and the things are still going. Going like this to all his people. He thought he was going to get like 28 people in this freaking helicopter to fly to Latrobe. <laughs> and it's sitting there in a football field at Pine Richland with the, with the, the things going around. People are ducking underneath. And so he throws a fit. He goes, what do you mean? And the guy said, my man, I could get like six people in this. This is <laughs> You don't like the ground is undefeated when we hit it with this helicopter. Yeah, he's black locked down. Right. There's weight stuff. There's and plus the FAA. Like, I'm not making the rules, but we can't put 28 people. And Antonio Brown says, wait a minute. I got you. Well, who can I get in this? And so he wants little A.B. He wants uh, what's the other kid's name? Couple other kids that he's got. I forget. Maybe junior, 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 junior. Yeah, well, no, but he does have one that's got an, an interesting name. He's got a daughter. He said, "I got to have my kids in there." Okay. So what he does, he tells the film crew that is there to videotape it. If you remember this, he says, "I'll take one film guy and then my kids. The other film guys, though, start driving to the trope." <laughs> So he goes, you got to go to Latrobe. Call me when you get there. And the pilot said, what the hell are we doing now? What are we doing? And he goes, they're going to call me. And he said, you know, Latrobe's like an hour away from Pine Richland. He goes, okay. So my man sat there. He shut the engine off and everything. AB waited there by the helicopter with the four, two of his kids, the one camera guy. The camera people made it to Latrobe. They called him. They said, AB, we're here. He goes. Okay, we can take off now. So it went from he thought he was getting all 28 of these people in this thing. <laughs> to then he had this brainstorm when he couldn't let him in. They need to go up there, but they need to be there for when he lands. My God. That's how I mean, that went down. That's on the list of the four or five most Antonio Brown things of all time. And it's as good of a story as there is. I still don't know if it cracks the top four because that guy's so self unaware. Oh, yeah. And the policemen who were there said they thought it was going to be, it went from quite literally being a 15 second security job, AB, <laughs> jump in a helicopter <laughs> with your people, to an hour and a half security job. He's just standing there out in his field waiting for those people to call. Jesus. What a wild ass. And so that's how it came. Is that the best entrance ever, though? Or what? how about Vince Williams? Didn't he have like a, a Mack truck or something the one time? Vince Williams had one. I think Brett Kiesel came in on one of those big old tractors. Yeah. Like those John Deere tractors, which was pretty cool. I always like the guys who just come in, whatever, no big deal. But then when they get there, it's all. All right, well, I got my big screen TV and I got my PlayStation. I got this, that, the other. It's like, bro, you don't got room for that shit. <laughs> I always liked the guys who were who came in and made an entrance, not commensurate with their talent level. Like the guy that was. Well, Vince Williams is right there. I mean, that's there. very close. Right there. He is that guy. You I'll know what? Here. I would argue that even AB's entrance was, was not commensurate with his talent level. The other part I always wondered too about AB, St. Vincent is rather close to an airport. 
Did they get all like the FAA clearances and stuff to just land the helicopter right at St. Vincent? I don't know. But the fact that he thought he, honestly, the guy counted. There were 28 people he thought he was getting in a helicopter. Like it was a pat bus and you could just jam in and move down a little bit and stand up and whatever. Crazy. When we return, Colin, on fourth yes. down in the Steel City, going to ask the question, what would happen if Ben Roethlisberger retired a year early? You have exactly two seconds to think of an answer. In-depth conversations, matchup breakdown, analysts on every game, everything a Steelers fan could want. This is fourth down in the Steel City with your hosts, Adam Crawley and Colin Dudlap. Fourth down in the Steel City rolls on, baby. Why do we call it fourth down, Colin? Because there's no five downs in football unless you're Colorado. Bang, bang. Is that it? I don't know. That's because we're always going for it. We don't oh, punt. Okay. Gotcha, gotcha, yeah. Yeah. What if Ben Roethlisberger would have retired a year earlier? Because that's what he talked to Ron Cook about in the Post-Gazette. He said Kevin Colbert didn't want him back. And you said on the last podcast it sort of worked out for everyone that he did come back. But yeah. what, if he didn't? what would that have meant for all the principal players involved? Would the Bears quarterback be the Steelers quarterback right now? Justin Fields? He would be mine. Um, would you know, you would have had to give up draft equity. So he would have the Steelers would have had to trade up. Would they have traded up still with the Devin Bush trade being kind of incomplete? With the Minka Fitzpatrick situation and kind of put going out over their ski so much for that, I don't know. Would they have done it three times that had been something so atypical that quickly? I don't know. What I think they may have done would have been traded up a little and maybe tried to pry away somebody like Mac Jones. Yeah. If that would have happened, I don't know how enamored I would have been. I didn't like Mac Jones at the time. I'm sort of lukewarm on the guy now. I think he's got a good head on his shoulders, helps to be coached where he's being coached at this point. I don't think they would have gotten into the Matt Stafford chase. I don't think that they would have done any of that free agent nonsense quarterback roulette. I think it would have been through the draft. Or if they missed out on a guy in the first round, then maybe that would have been their tank year last year. Not that they would have called it that. Not that they would have done it on purpose. But maybe Mason Rudolph would have got his year and. Well, Mason Rudolph probably wouldn't be on the roster at this point. But if that would have been their tank year, let's think about this and work backwards. Let's say that was their tank year. What would they have got? Kenny Pickett? Yeah, I mean. I I mean, what else would they have done? I, I don't see this had been, other than giving away the farm with draft picks. How would it have worked out any differently? Well, they, they weren't going to get they weren't going to get Trevor Lawrence, right? They wouldn't have. But if they had, okay, so if they didn't give away the farm and they got Mac Jones, and okay. so then this year they would have Mac Jones and not Kenny Pickett. Maybe they wind up with an offensive lineman in round one. Maybe they wind up with a defensive lineman in round one. But are they really in all that different a position? If it's Mac Jones and instead of signing a Larry Ogunjobi and and drafting DeMarvin Leal, 
they instead would have had Mac Jones and what? No, I actually think they're in a. I think they're in a pretty good position, and here's why: because they got the relaunch, they got the restart, and they got to go ahead and overhaul. And I think that Mitch Trubisky is going to be better in this next five-year window than both Mac Jones and Kenny Pickett. Wow. We've seen him play, and for some, that's always a bad thing. Well, we know what Mitch Trubisky can do. I know what he can do, too. He led Chicago to the playoffs a couple times. If not for a terrible, horrific kicking incident, then he'd have led them to a playoff victory, something that Ben Roethlisberger has not led the Steelers to since 2016. A kicking incident, mind you. A kicking incident, mind you, that forced a guy to go on Good Morning America and talk about this like deep depression that it put him in and how the fan base turned on him and how awful his life was. It, it was that bad. It was Norwoodian, the <laughs> kicking incident that happened with Chicago. Like, I'm not making that up. It was, it was like trash on Tommy Maddox's lawn levels of, come on, bro. Radio stations in Chicago, I remember, were having kicking contests where they were just having people out in their parking lot try to kick that, like, whatever it was, 32-yard field goal or whatever it was, to, to do that, to make fun of the guy. It was a highly makeable NFL field goal. And it was a garbage team that Mitch Trubisky played for with an offensive staff that didn't know what the hell they were doing. So, yeah, with, who was it, Mark Tressman, who should be shipped up off to Canada. It yeah, was. I, I think, speaking of Canada – I think Matt Cannon is more qualified to run an offense than that guy. And I think at least the offense that he's going to be running plays to Mitch Trubisky's strengths. And they've got a really good running back, the Steelers do. I don't know about the line. But the weapons that they have on offense aren't bad either. I'm not a huge Deontay Johnson fan, but he's a really good player. I'm not a huge Chase Claypool fan. But if Ben had put the ball way out in front of him a little bit more last year, he might have had a bigger season. I think that Mitch Trubisky, with those weapons, Pat Fryermuth, who I think would be a top 10 tight end in this league as soon as this year, I think you do a lot worse than that guy. And he's also not a mistake machine, Colin. He's he not. is not. For all of his faults, that's not one of them. Speaking of mistakes, shifting gears here, question for you. Optimal number of eight, f- 4 o'clock Steeler game. Okay? 4 o'clock. So you're not on the clock. You're not rushed. Parking pass and or Uber, you're not driving, you're, you're getting a ride. Optimal number of pregame beers so as to have the right amount of buzz, but also not cross the line into diluting your memory of the game. First beer, 1230. I'm having six, mixing in three waters. I'm feeling okay. Light beers, though, Colin. Light beers. Not you thought, you're not like someone with a – not a beer with a monk on the cover that's like 14% alcohol <laughs> or whatever. You don't do that one. Yeah, like the like the smiling Mufasa right. or something. Well, yes, any, no. I, I've made this claim before. It's very simple. Any beer with a monk on the front of it, is one that's going to blow your head off. It's going to blow gonna your doors off. Yes, yes. So you stay away from those on game day. Um, you say 12.30 is your first one? I will have my first. If it's a 4 o'clock kick, I'm going 12.30. I'm drinking six light beers, mixing in three waters, 
fair amount of cornhole being played, get a sandwich in there. And I think I'm drunk, not hammered, but feeling pretty okay. Yeah, I'm getting older. I get I had to pee a lot, which is a problem at Huge 46 problem. years old. Huge problem. Oh. Um, yeah. I don't mean to interrupt you here, but so, there's one place on earth where anybody who's been there knows it is the place on earth you have to pee more than any place else. Hinesville parking lot. Well, gate A, man, at like twelve fifty five when you're trying to get in, there's nowhere to go. You are friggin' trapped. Certainly. Uh absolutely. Three Rivers slash Hinesfield parking lot. Like for me, <clears throat> the beers, I probably start probably one o'clock and I will only go four. Although I only drink Saturdays, so this throws a wrench into things. But let's say I had the next day off. I would change my drinking day from Saturday to Sunday. Sure. Uh, I would probably only go four. And then I'm notoriously, I forget to drink water. So there's that. Uh, I'd probably go four or five and just not power drink. I'd professional drink, sip on them the whole time. Light beers are fine. Four or five light beers. But I'd, I'd wait a little bit longer. And I know, I know right when that, I know right when I hit. Right when I hit, when I get to the point where I'm, you know what I know? And it happens at tailgate parties. The very first time I say to myself, did I say that to my friends or did I think I said that? That's a big moment for me. That is a massive tell, Colin. My (laughs) other one is where I go, okay, now wait, how many have I had? The first (laughs) sign of like, oh, oh, no, baby, it's fine. I've only had three. The next time she asks and I go, oh, no, baby, I've had shoot that's when okay we're starting to uh to fade away yeah. a little bit there because one i'll say like something like hey we were here once and steeler santa claus who's a jackass jag off we threw a snowball at him and hit him because he was doing him and mad dog or whatever that guy's name were we're doing some big chant on top of a a, a a van and we'll say that and so i'll say that and then three minutes later i'll start to tell the same stories and my buddies will go you just said that like four minutes ago. And I'll say, all right, that's the test. But uh, I said, did I think that or did I say it? And if I start repeating things that I thought I was just thinking, that's cutoff time. That's Total cutoff thing. time. That's yeah, why dangerous. beer is the way to go. I mean, for all you young kids listening out to fourth down in the Steel City, yes. beer is the way to go because you can always you can dial it back. Liquor, all of a sudden, you're there, you're done. You're screwed, right. it's over. Fireball is going off the diving board. Yes. What, I mean, there's no there's no dipping your toe in it. Now, I mean, if somebody wants to sponsor Fourth Down in Steel City and it's Fireball or it's uh, t- dare I say, I have been known to have Rumple Mints at a Steeler tailgate. Oh party, yeah, which, which will get you. But you got to be real careful. A Rumple Mints, I only had to keep warm. That was my excuse to my wife. Keeps me warm. Yeah. Um. Yeah, which is tough. But you've got to count those at a tailgate as almost two and a half beers, like a shot of Rumpelmans. Well, the equivalent's about two and a half. They start going down, and then eventually you do. Uh, before I pull up another hard-hitting <laughs> topic here on Sports yes. Down in the Steel City, I have to apologize to Greg Finley, our producer. I have to apologize to you, Colin Dunlap, and I have to apologize to our great listeners out there. I think everyone knows what happened, but I just got to say it. You threw out a Kenny Pickett hypothetical about seven minutes ago. I had just got an email from our boss. I looked down, looked back up. You had finished asking a question. I had no idea what you said. And I just stared blankly ahead. 
Yeah. What was the hypothetical? I forget. See, now we're both on the same page. Perfect. In-depth conversations, matchup breakdown, analysts on every game, everything a Steelers fan could want. This is Fourth Down in the Steel City with your hosts, Adam Crawley and Colin Dudlap. Fourth Down in the Steel City, training camp week, Crowley, Dunlap, Comfortable energy throughout the Steel City as Ben Roethlisberger is gone and a new era is upon us. Colin, we asked for listeners to chime in with some questions, and we got a couple here. Oh, yeah. This one from Vanta Zach on Twitter. What do you put the win total at if the O-line play stays consistent with last year's line? Do they get to 500? I tell you, I already know what the Steelers' record is going to be this year. I've made my prediction. We'll make it again, I'm sure, as the season's about to start and we get through training camp. The Steelers are going to be 8-8-1. Eight, eight, That's cool. my prediction. They're going to be 8-8-1. Eight, eight, Mike Tomlin doesn't have his losing season. The Steelers don't have a winning season. Not much is decided. We get to freaking January, February, and we go, what the hell did we do all that for? Trubisky is good enough but not great. Pickett really doesn't get in the game. Najee Harris is like, well, he was pretty good, but was it worth it? Tra- nothing is answered. That's what I, I think they're 8-8-1 eight, eight, and one and nothing is answered. Yeah, I think they could be better than last year, and I think that they will be. The defense, I don't think it's going to be as injured two years in a row. I know that's a silly thing to say, but I'm going to bet on luck there. And I think that because of that, they're going to be a better team. I don't necessarily know that that translates to more wins, though. The conference is a bear. The schedule is a bitch. I mean, it's going to be tough for them to be a playoff team in this conference. And yet they might even be more aesthetically pleasing this year. I do think if the offensive line's as bad as it was last year, though, everything I just said out the window. I don't think they're winning as many games as they lose if the offensive line plays the same way. Because just like I don't think they're going to get injured the same way two years in a row, I don't think you can dance through those raindrops, even with more mobile quarterbacks, two years in a row if the offensive line is that bad. You want another one, Colin? Yeah, who do we got? Who do we got? Uh, This one from Bill, and I just have to read the handle because it's hilarious to me. Let's hear it. At Bill37731596 Bill is um like that's that's one of the guys that you get in touch with or that gets in touch with you that talks generally if you click on like his his tweets and it's, it's a lot of Putin stuff ah. and things like that. I believe Bill is Bill you think Bill's a bot or Bill's legit? I'm scrolling through. It seems like he's only tweeted Chris Muller and then our podcast. So he's definitely legit. Yeah, definitely. 100% legit. This is great. So what does Bill 369-704-13... You ever catch those jokers? By the way, get your face in the screen. I'm not on a wheelie chair. You ever catch those jokers that don't know how to do Twitter? We'll get to Bill's question in a moment. Don't know how to do Twitter and they sign up for it and their handle is their actual phone number? Oh, I have seen that a couple of times. 
I feel bad for them. You want to tell them, like, listen, there's privacy situations. You may be outing yourself here. This is tough, Tony, 412-761-1312. Like, hey, Tony, I've cracked the code. But you just move on, I guess. But anyway, back to Bill. What does Bill have to say? Well, my dad thinks that whenever he just tweets at someone that it's private and it's a DM. But I'll work with him with that. That could Uh, be dangerous. That could be very dangerous. It could be. And it sort of has been. So Bill says, and I think this is just the layout, which is why we've turned his Twitter handle into the actual content here. But who do you think was the better prospect coming out of college, Ben or Pickett? Well, Ben, probably, I would think. <laughs> That's right. I mean, is that a real question? Yeah, it's Ben. It is Ben. And I'm always tantalized by talent over even accomplishment in college, talent right. over consistency, talent over XYZ. It's why I did like Malik Willis more than Kenny Pickett coming out this year. And Ben, despite playing at Miami of Ohio, that mother bleeper had all the freaking talent in the world. So that's not even close. And the draft slot reflected it. It's exactly why I think that Phil Dracovic will be such a good quarterback. Oh, man. Because I think he's insanely talented. I know he's gigantic. And I think that he'll be a better NFL quarterback than he was a college quarterback. Like, that's – I look at that and I say, I look at this kid and I think he's going to be a really good NFL quarterback. Like, did people know that Ben was going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer? Probably not. But I thought, I think that people looked at Ben as a no brainer starter for a pretty long time. Right. And there are some guys that you just know. When Ben Roethlisberger was in training camp, I remember talking to Tun Shilkin about it and he said, I knew the second he was out there, he was the best quarterback on the roster. They didn't know it until Tommy Maddox and Charlie Batch got hurt, but others that knew, they knew. You're not hearing that about Kenny Pickett right now. And I don't know that that's necessarily a concern. He never really screamed he was going to blow people away with his measurables to me. But at the same time, you're not hearing that same kind of thing about Pickett. If Kenny Pickett, all right, let's say this. Let's say Trubisky, knock on wood, I hope this doesn't happen. Well, let's say he just turns his ankle sure. and he misses a game, game three. If Kenny Pickett were number two on the depth chart at that point, he'd sure as hell better be. Like, let's say he gets in and he throws an interception. Would people boo him the same? No. No way. No chance. I, I want him to succeed, but I'm playing all these different, for instances, in my head. And it- it's harder for Mitch Trubisky this year than it is for Kenny Pickett. And that sounds ridiculous because Mitch Trubisky has been through this before, but now he's going through it again. And this is his last shot likely. And he's going to hear it for every mistake that he makes. I think that Mitch Trubisky has got a great opportunity here to prove a lot of people wrong. And I imagine he is seething and drooling about that. But at the same time, this is a guy who's got one more opportunity, and anytime he bounces a friggin' ball, Colin, he's going to be here, and we need number eight in there. Yeah, you're right. We've got any more uh, people have sent us some fan mail here. Yes, this one from Nate Sauron. What's your most controversial Steelers take among your colleagues? I got one. Is this controversial or not? Uh, well... Is the Labriola take controversial, the one I'm going to go with? I don't know. That he flaunts a world championship ring? I think – you go, you go. 
No, is that controversial or not? I mean, he's a website writer. Is that too much or is that commonplace around the NFL? I don't know. I know the guy who used to produce Penguins games on the radio. And when the Penguins won in 17, he would wear the ring everywhere. He was the radio producer, Colin. So I don't know if it's commonplace. The radio producer thing's probably a bridge too far for me. And I'm a radio producer. Wow. wow. I got one. I got one. This one's I don't, I don't know if it's hot either. But, like, the Chief needs to rank, like, significantly below Dan Rooney. Like, okay, let's make a, let's write a book. Let's write a play. The Chief's so great. Okay, fine. The Chief, cigars. That's wonderful. Bought the Steelers. Great. I mean, Dan, Dan Rooney, I think, is the guy who was really the mind of the operation for a very long time. He also was instrumental in scheduling in the NFL. So consider me Team Dan over Team Chief. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that Dan Rooney is a better football guy. Right. Without the Chief, it doesn't come to fruition and they don't have it. There's no foundation laid. So there's that. And plus, it was a very interesting time in having to kind of cobble the funds to have and stick through a franchise you know, and be able to see it out the other side. Look at how much movement there was with those original franchises. And look at how many times uh, they scrabbled for money and other, you know, people moved and St. Louis went to Phoenix and different, you know, look, look at all that kind of stuff. Right. So I, I think that can be thank the chief for that kind of stuff, even if he didn't have the football savvy uh, that his son had. Does that make sense? It does make sense. I'm playing a little game of find the right computer charger to plug into my computer so this thing doesn't die in the middle of the podcast. Do you like that? That'd be game? something. That'd be that'd be really something. Uh, yeah. Have you found it? Yes. Yes, I have found the correct charger. I got to find the plug, and then we're rolling here. I just don't want to to drop this thing abruptly in the middle. I don't know what happens then. We probably just do another podcast on Friday. That's probably that's probably what happens there. No, it just gets cut off right where you fall off, and it's just a hard dismount. Uh, another Steeler take. Okay, how about this Steeler take? I have a, a, a controversial Steeler take. Um, okay, okay, okay. I have – let's see. I do have – I'm trying I did to have a, for now. Like, I, have a re- I have a really good one. The Steelers will be in the same exact place than they would have been five or eight years from now. Had they or had they not drafted Najee Harris, he ends up being a non-entity for the Steelers in terms of skewing the win-loss total. It's negligible what Najee Harris brings to the franchise. If you were to take him or if you didn't take him in the first round of last year's draft, if when you get to 2027, you're going to be in the exact same place. You know what? I don't know that I'll agree with that, but what I will say is Pat Fryermuth's going to be here Six years down the line, Najee Harris is not going to be. I think Pat Firemuth's going to, at that point, be a top five tight end in the league. And Najee Harris is just going to be another running back. So I'll go so far as to say that. I also think this DeMarvin Leal kid's going to be pretty good. I don't know that that falls anywhere near anything on this spectrum of hot takery. But I do think he's going to be very good. I believe in guys, like they had a good draft for this. I believe in guys like George Pickens and DeMarvin Leal, guys who, if you looked at the mock drafts prior to the college season, they were two top 10 picks because of their talent. 
Now, I don't quite know what happened with Leal. I know Pickens got hurt, and that wound up knocking his draft stock. But that guy has been called by a number of analysts, even after the draft, maybe the most talented receiver. DeMarvin Leal was a top 10 pass rusher. You've got already Cam Hayward. You've got already TJ Watt, who are both going to command serious attention. The Steelers know what they're doing as it relates to developing pass rushers, I think, for the most part. And I don't think Alex Heisman is good enough to stand in his way for a long period of time. Not that they play the same position, but that one of those guys would be the one accruing the sacks. All right, how about this controversial in the now take? You want one of these controversial in the now takes? And I believe this, so it's not a take. Miles Jack is saying all the right things right now. The day that the season starts, he doesn't give one shit about uh, Devin Bush, and he couldn't care less. And there might even be a, a sideline dust up between the two. Oh. He is he is leaving him behind the day that the season starts. Man, that's he's a great just saying day. all the right things right now, but he Do knows you, he stinks. You think Miles Jack looks over at some point in training camp and just goes, "What the hell is this ass doing?" He's not on my level. He, he, I feel like he wants to say, but he wouldn't. It wouldn't play well in a town he just got to. It wouldn't play well in an organization he got, just got to. And he's trying to change the scenery kind of thing and trying to be nice to everybody. At some, as soon as the preseason shifts into the regular season, Miles Jack will take an air of, this guy ain't on my level. I don't need to be nice to him anymore. I don't know that this is a hot take, but this is how I feel. Donnie Football was talking about the offensive line. Mark Caboli wrote something about the offensive line. I heard Ray Fittipaldo earlier of the Post-Gazette talking about the offensive line. Just wake me up whenever the season starts with the O-line. Like I, I don't have the energy or the attention span to read people's reports on which offensive linemen were winning battles over the course of the next three weeks, four weeks. I just can't do it. Here's another hot take prediction, if you will. Are you ready for this? I am. In the first two weeks, Zach Gentry will score multiple touchdowns. He will have two touchdowns, not each game. He'll have two touchdowns through the first two weeks because he becomes an easy safety blanket in what they want to do. Not too crazy, not too wild around the goal line. You dump it off. You maybe uh, create a little space, create a little room. There's your guy that the, the old, this has happened. Reamersma, Tooman, Heath, all those guys. The old white guy under the goalpost touchdown. I mean, that way where he catches, cradles. That It's happened a gazillion times in Steeler history where the play elongates a little bit and just a little floater under the goalposts. Uh, how many times has that happened in Steeler history? Uh, Gentry's going to score multiple touchdowns like that in the first couple weeks, maybe first three weeks. You are the Deontay Johnson guy on this podcast, if there was a Deontay Johnson guy on this podcast. I tend to think he's going to have a really good year, though, and he's going to significantly price himself out of Pittsburgh. And I think that they're okay with making that bet. But given what other receivers have made this offseason, if he puts up 1,300 yards, which I think he absolutely can do, and maybe eight, ten touchdowns with a quarterback who can throw the ball quicker than in 2.1 seconds, I think he's going to make like $24 million a season. I agree with you. I also agree with this. I think this is exactly how it's going to play out. Deontay Johnson's going to have a very early fumble 
and everybody's going to go, oh, my gosh. This, And then he's going to just be absolutely wonderful from there. But he'll have an early season fumble in game like for one of the first three games. And you'll have you the detractors and the naysayers will play the big I told you so game. And then he'll be fine from there. I think he's going to he's going to make twenty three, twenty four million dollars a year. Colin, this was fun. Let's do it again on Friday. We'll have a couple of days of practice without pads to talk about. And then we can preview. This is crazy. We can preview the practices in pads. And we will tweet out the address, send it to our, the handle. We want, uh, we'll answer your questions. That's the fun part. And nothing is too crazy. It doesn't need to just be straight ahead on the field, football centric. You can ask anything you like, right, Crowley? You sure can. You can even ask me what my bra size is. I wear one. There's an announcement. That's fourth down in the Steel City. <laughs>